Welcome to Roll and Tell. I'm Christian, and my co-host Jeffrey is here with me as we venture into a new story with fresh faces. However, this episode is meant to be bonus content to accompany our current main campaign following the story of Lewid and Diodi. If you haven't started listening to that story yet, we strongly recommend that you listen to that first. But if you are curious, this story can stand by itself. You don't need to know what's happening to Lewid and Diodi to understand what will happen in this story and vice versa. It won't be important to know what happens in this episode to understand what happens in the main campaign moving forward. Think of it as a jar of mayonnaise. You can use it with your main sandwich, or you can also just eat it with a spoon right out of the jar by itself. I don't care. However you want to consume it, it's up to you. Now, the reason we're here creating this bonus episode is because in the main story, Lewid, Abigail, and Diodi have found themselves in a predicament. Either they go into custody of the Royal Guard, or they escape through the tunnels underneath the Chapel of Prosperity that lead through the Ashen Catacombs up to the Tomb of the High Death. The High Death is a creature of lore within the city of Austile. It's said that the ribs which stick through the waterfall belong to this long-forgotten monster. And frankly, we don't know what this creature is yet. But that leads us here. Today, we're playing Have You Heard About the Beast? This is a game that will not only help us create this fantastic creature, but will allow us to tell a new story centered around this beast with unique characters and personalities. And just like anything else we do on Roll and Tell, we're making this experience as chaotic as possible. We've randomly rolled our characters and we'll be using these characters to lay out the story. Have You Heard About the Beast is a wonderful game that helps us craft creatures using different categories such as how big is it? where does it live, and who's telling you about it. We've split up all of these categories into a cup, and we will be randomly pulling them to see which one has to figure out the answer to which question. And then we'll come back together to share our answers through gameplay. We really want to thank the folks over at the Sealed Library for creating such a terrific game. The link where you can purchase this game will be in the description of this episode. Now, enough chat. Let's start creating this beast. So the very first question we need to figure out is where are we? We have a lot of good prompts in here, and obviously we can do as much creative work as we want with them, but here's the list. In the village tavern, snowed in on a bleak winter's night, at a roadside camp with a traveling caravan, huddled around a small sputtering fire in a mountain cave, Quaffing beer and swapping stories at a village fete? Passing the time on the back of a slow-moving cart on a muddy road? Arriving at the bustling docks of a port city and scouting for rumors? Hunting deep in the forest, miles from the nearest farm or village? Playing cards in the hold of a ship as a storm rages outside? Waiting for corrupt guards to certify your weapons and enter town? Trudging along a beach battered by wind and rain? A D10. How about you go ahead and do that? Oh, okay, yeah, I'll I'll do that. Let me see here. No whammies. Huddled around a small sputtering fire in a mountain cave. Okay, all right, I like this. That's where we are. Yeah, we're in a mountain cave. Well, Christian, I think that this gave us a tremendous opportunity. I think we're on the mountain behind Austeel. That's honestly what I was thinking. I didn't want to say it, but that's what yeah, I'm thinking I too. Yeah, I think 
I think that is exactly where we're at. We're on that mountain somewhere in a cave. Yeah. Our adventurers have arrived here to get information about whatever is either in the cave or near the cave. And that leads me into saying that we're about to figure out a bunch of different questions from categories that we've been given in this game. One of them being, what is its nickname, though? And since we already know this, the the high death, we're not going to be figuring that one out. That's just, that's what its nickname is. And as we've just figured out where are you, we have 10 other categories that we're going to be answering. And we're going to draw at random for that. I've put these 10 categories in a small cup, and we're going to draw as each one of us gets five, and we will be figuring them out and discussing them after we've figured them out in our own heads. Jeff, do you want me to pull yours first? Yeah, let's see what I what my first one is. Okay. What does it guard? Perfect. That is the one I wanted for the character I made. I'm pulling my first one. How old big is it? All well, right. you know it's got to be humongous. <laughs> right. It's it's massive. We know that. But, but you get to define just how big. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, what has it done? What has it done? Also, I feel like appropriate for my character. <laughs> Who is telling you about it? That's for me. Oh, you got the good one. <laughs> that is definitely the coolest one. So I definitely think you should roll an NPC for that one. Yeah, I will for sure. Okay, you got, what does it look like? I'm jealous. I'm jealous about that one. I got what it is. Oh. Or what is you it? You start this bad boy. Oh, and, gosh. Okay. And I think that's good because you got the who's telling and the what is it, so you can do those both at the same time. Right. You got where does it live? I got what trap lies ahead. Here comes your final one. What ability does it have? Hmm. And then my last one is, what else lives nearby? So, Christian, now I think it's good for us to, like, take time and answer these questions on our own and not tell each other until we start playing what the (laughs) answers are. Uh, You've got the big one, the what is it. So I can't wait to figure out what you come up with and how you came up with that. But I I don't know. Do you have any more words of wisdom for us before we break off and probably like giggle lightly to ourselves over the microphone as we answer (laughs) questions yeah i i just want to say because we are two very creative souls i think we should definitely take what we're given in these categories and run with it further than we really think we should um i just want to say that again a reminder that no matter how ridiculous what we say and no matter how much they come across as rumors from the characters we're playing as Everything we say about the high death is true. And I can't wait to see what happens. Let's do it. Quick question, though. So in your categories, are you going to be rolling a D10 for those? Or are you just going to, are you picking? This is a good question. I will occasionally be rolling a D10 from the suggestions from, have you heard about the beast? However, sometimes I might roll additional tables. Like I might roll from mythic to get some actions and subjects and i also think for the thing that it's guarding i might be using a new random table for us christian uh the thingonomicon the great book of things yeah thingonomicon raging swan presses little wonderful book i guess it's not little it's gigantic uh, <laughs> <laughs> their gigantic book of just things just things okay So Jeff and I both have all of our categories figured out. 
and we're going to go right into this. There is a cave atop a mountain where a beautiful, luscious waterfall crashes down below. At this time, there's not much to note other than the waterfall. There's not really anything noteworthy below or around, except at the entrance of this cave, there are some wooden stalls and some curtains hanging down, drifting in the wind with the occasional breeze. And there's a fire lit. Around this fire, deep within this cave, there is a man, an old sickly hermit, who looks war-torn and scarred from all the previous battles that he's partaken in. He doesn't look healthy. He looks like he's been struggling for many years. This man's name is Perthival. Perthival is sitting around the fire, drinking a hot cup of tea, when all of a sudden he hears a noise coming from outside, some shifting among his wooden stalls. And he sees two people. So this hermit calls out to these two figures on the other side of these drapes hanging down from the cave and says, C Come in, come in. It's okay. There's warm fire in here, and if you want, I could make you cups of tea. Hearing that, the drapes part, and the first person to enter is a tall, skinny human. They have short, curly hair and hawkish features. They are parting the curtain, and they, they peer around a little bit, and they make eye contact with the hermit and make sure things are safe before they take two fingers and motion for the second person to come in. And ducking under the crook of their arm and into this cave is a short elf with choppy copper hair that looks like she's cut it herself. Her eyes dart about the space, observing everything in excruciating detail. She steps forward and also makes eye contact with the hermit, but her eyes are kind of vacant, like she is somewhere else, like she is hearing something else. And then she turns to her companion and nods to them. And this human leads the young elf. She's probably in her mid-twenties, while the human is likely in their mid-thirties, leads her to a stone for her to sit down at. And she sits down, looks at the hermit, but the human stands behind her, saying nothing. Well, it's always nice to have company. What are your names? In response to that, the young elf woman with the copper hair takes her hands and starts to move them in some kind of signed language. She starts to do colorful hand motions to suggest that to the hermit, it looks like she's making motions that might communicate the idea of a cat. He says, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't come across many people that don't speak nowadays. Usually quite the opposite. You have people that talk too much. I'm sorry, I, I don't understand your hand gestures. And yeah, she, she quickly realizes that that is not a form of communication that he understands. And she braces her hands and shakes her head saying, basically an emotion that says, it's okay, it's okay. And she gestures to the human behind her and they respond, her name is Calico and mine is Harper. What beautiful names. Well, it's good to have you, Calico and Harper. When, when you say that her name is beautiful, Calico just kind of beams, and she pulls her knees up towards her chest and wraps her hands around her shins in a very, like, kind of childish position. 
Well, I, I did offer tea. Would you both like some? They both nod. Perthaval looks down towards the darker end of the cave, and he shouts out, Hey, so bring back a couple extra mugs of tea with you if you don't mind. We have, we have two more. And from in the shadows of the cave come two more figures. One is a very short halfling with three long braids down his head, down his back. Brown hair with black streaks holding two mugs of tea in his hand. And a second male elf also with two mugs of tea in his hand. A little bit taller than an average elf would be. And they, they walk towards the fire and hand these extra mugs to these, these two new figures. When the halfling hands her the mug, she graciously takes it, but she is looking at the halfling in a way that I think would make most people uncomfortable. She's really scanning him. Oh uh, yeah, I, I know I'm pretty good looking, but you don't have to look me up and down. When he says that, Calico, uh, still kind of like grasping her shins and holding her knees to her chest, lets go, and she makes some non-verbal noises that you recognize as laughter. She looks to Harper and she makes a series of very quick hand movements to which Harper then laughs under their breath in a way that this halfling may know that uh, maybe just maybe Calico has made a joke at the expense of this halfling. Yeah, I'm the butt of a lot of jokes, but that's okay. That just makes me a funny guy. Am I right? My name's Finnick and this is, uh, this here's Jesper. When you introduce yourself and you do it in such like a kind of charming way, Calico puts her hands to her heart and she waves them outwards and down to suggest that she's thankful that you introduced yourself and that you are so kind. She then motions to Harper to introduce themselves. Harper says, It is a pleasure to meet you. Uh, this is Calico and I am Harper. Yeah, nice to meet two other beautiful faces out here. You don't see a lot of people walking around these areas, you know. The old gentleman sitting around the fire with the other four just says, Yes, it's far and few between that we see fresh faces to talk to. I'm very grateful that you've all found your way here, even if it's not for long. In fact, what brings you all out this way? And I think before anybody can answer, Calico hops off her rock that she is sitting on and starts to dig into her traveling bags and she finds a book and this is an old leather bound tome its color if it had any has faded over time and it just looks very worse for wear and she starts flipping through it very frantically looking for something excitedly and then she hops over to the hermit she presses the book almost in his face and points to a page that says the high death. His chest sinks a little bit because he knows so much about this beast, the high death, but it's not his place to judge. And he knows that. He says, have you heard about this high death, this giant salamander-like creature? She looks back at the book and she looks at the hermit and then she looks around the fire she makes a hand sign to communicate the idea of a salamander, but does so in the form of a question, as if she didn't know that about it. He says, yes, this, this salamander-like monster is known to traverse these lands. I've never personally seen it, but I have heard that it's, it's massive, as, as big as 50 houses. 
about 2,000 years old from, from what people have told me. And Calico looks at the hermit in confusion, and she pauses for a second. That kind of excitement, like, dissipated from her. She stares down at the ground before she walks back to Harper, points at several places in the book, and Harper says, No, 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 Calico, I, I know, I know. Um, Sir, uh, Calico was under the impression, based on what she read, that this creature was actually quite small, as her research suggested emerged from the trunk of a tree in a swamp. That's probably true from its birth, but I've heard these creatures can grow massively over their entire lifetime. And I think Calico sits down, and she seems to be deeply considering that, because she wasn't expecting something so large. Finnick pipes up, and he says... Oh yeah, that's uh, I've I've heard about that thing. That's uh, he lives near the um, whatever the fire-breathing jumping monkey things, right? Harper and Calico both look at Finnick. Calico's eyes are kind of wide, <laughs> and Harper looks to Calico to see if she wants to say anything, and she makes a series of hand gestures to try and communicate the idea that you've just described, and then holds her hands up and shrugs. <laughs> Jesper is finding all of this quite amusing. This is an elf who takes many dangerous things lightly. Um, They're very confident in their abilities to overcome the worst. And they say, so really, why are you two seeking this out? It it sounds terrifying. I don't know, but it sounds fun. We We might go along if you are. Calico looks askance. It almost feels like she doesn't want to say the reason why they're going after it, especially with the information she's been given now. She then starts to sign some images to Harper, and Harper places a hand on her shoulder, and they say, This is... Well, I think now we can express that we know that we've heard that this creature, the High Death, keeps the possessions of the people that it kills, and it hoards them in a pile in its lair. And, well, Calico was hoping to retrieve those things to return them to their owners. Both Fennec and Jespa, they stay silent for a a short moment because Jespa was playing facetious earlier when asking about going along with them and seeking out this beast as well because... Really, Finnick and Jespa are both seeking this creature out, too. At the thought of hearing that this creature holds the possessions of those it kills, it kind of hits Jespa and Finnick differently. Calico starts to frantically sign some more things, only breaking to sometimes point at various places in the book she's looking at. And Harper says, I know, I know, I know, I'll tell them, I'll tell them. Calico heard that this creature, the high death. Well, and Harper looks a little bit disturbed by what they're about to say, and Calico tugs on their sleeve to urge them to keep speaking, that she thinks it's very important that everybody knows this next piece of information. Okay, Calico, okay. Calico has heard the high death eats anything that it comes across. Furniture, armor, weapons, people. And it doesn't digest these things. Rather, 
all of it becomes or truly make up its skin. The creature has no skin. It's just made of whatever it's eaten. Its body is basically a a junkyard. And Calico starts waving a finger in the air to say, no, no, that's not the right word. Harper then says, okay, it's a giant lost and found Calico. What do you want me to call it? And Calico crosses her arms and pouts and looks at Harper very clearly upset and gives a face that says, just forget it. Just forget it. Fennec holds up his hands and says, all right, all right, I, I, I get it. It's a shit fuck of an abomination. I get it. That sounds absolutely disgusting, but it also excites me a whole lot. <laughs> and and Calico actually grabs Finnick's sleeve and pulls him a little bit closer. She is just cheesing so hard right now because she loves to hear that you're excited about these things because she wants to get them. <laughs> yeah, I've just got a couple concerns, though, because um, from my time... Uh, talking to this this gentleman before you guys showed up, um, he he told me about some some things to worry about. I, I don't know, maybe old man, you you talk about it. I, I don't remember exactly what you said. And the old man raises his eyebrows and says, "Oh, oh, yes, um, well, yes, there is something you should be concerned about and on the lookout for." I've known many wonderful people to seek out this creature as well. They've mentioned stories about kind of, I'm not sure the best way to put this other than like a soul graveyard of sorts. There are many lost objects found in this dwelling that this creature lives in. Nearby, these, these objects, long forgotten weapons and trinkets and belongings to others, seem to have voices that will speak to you and and give you absolutely terrible advice, such as killing yourself, telling you to jump off the edge of the waterfall, or, or to kill your best friend. Uh, my recommendation is that you do not listen to these voices, and rather tell them no firmly, and keep moving. When, when that is said, Harper looks terrified. Looks absolutely terrified, but Calico just smiles broadly while tapping her temple repeatedly. And then she flaps her fingers and her thumb together in a gesture that suggests something is rapidly talking inside of her head already. In response, Harper just releases a tremendous sigh and then interprets for her. Calico already hears voices in her head and she doesn't think she'll be bothered by more. I'm not concerned about her being bothered by the voices. I just don't want her listening to the wrong ones. Calico narrows her gaze at that to suggest she she knows which voices to listen to. But then she once again starts communicating with Harper to say that there's one last thing that she wants to say about these voices that have just been described. And she starts to make some hand motions to communicate the images of conversation. And then she runs a finger across her throat to suggest death. And Harper says, Yeah, um, Calico says that she's heard that the beast, the beast speaks with the voice of things that are lost, sometimes even those that are dead. Jesper, Fennec, and this old man, Perthival, are all very quiet. All three of these people have 
have at one point or another heard voices that they shouldn't have heard. Any hope that they'd be hearing voices of loved ones past now seems to shatter within them, knowing that it could just be this creature talking. Either way, Finnick gets his hopes back up, brushes shoulders with Jespa and says, Yeah, that's a lot of good talk, though. I guess we won't really know until we see this thing, though, right? And uh, Calico nods broadly to agree. Well, what do you say? How about the four of us going together? We don't know what we're really looking at fighting here, and these are just a bunch of rumors. It could be true, could be false, but I think the bigger the party, the safer we might be. Calico hops up onto her feet again. She looks really excited. She makes some hand motions, a gesture to her, and then to you, Fennec, and then touches her heart again. And I think you know that she's trying to communicate the idea that, are you saying we can be friends? Oh, hell yeah, I love making new friends. Especially with two beautiful faces like yours. Calico is so excited that she puts her hand in front of her, spits in it, and then holds it out for you to shake it. Fennec licks his hand up and down and slaps it into Calico's. Calico gives an expression of both disgust and delight. Jespa comes over and puts his hand on top of theirs while it's shaking. And Harper comes around and places a hand on top of the whole group. And Harper says, All right, okay, uh, three weirdos and me. I guess we're on a mission then. All right, I guess uh, let's decide when we're leaving. Finnick chugs the rest of his steaming hot tea just down his throat. (sighs) I think we should rest, don't you? Harper says, Yeah, I, I think that would be wise. The hermit looks worried. He's never seen anyone return from the high death. But once again, it's not his place to judge. We really want to thank you for listening to part one of this story surrounding Finnick, Calico, and the high death. Part two is a Patreon-exclusive bonus episode. If you head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash rollandtellpod, And by just giving a small donation, you will gain access to part two of this bonus episode, along with a lot of other cool exclusives. Part two will answer all of your questions about what happens to Finnick and Calico when they stumble upon the high death. We'll see you in part two as we roll and tell.